to another episode of Accessibility. It's a show on YouTube where I talk about the video game industry, accessibility, and representation. Basically, how can we help more people to play games, and more people to see themselves in the games they play? Released on Nintendo Switch on July 21st, Pokemon Unite is a MOBA, which stands for Multiplayer Online Battle Arena. Basically, think of the genre of game that League of Legends falls into. You have a couple of small teams of players that each have a different unique character they're playing as, you've got a row in the middle where there's lots of weak things controlled by the computer that you can attack and strengthen yourselves up, and then on the outside edges there are things you have to sort of fight your way to and destroy your way past in order to earn points. Basically, big team, push your way towards the other side's goal while fighting little things to strengthen yourself up on the way kind of game. Pokemon Unite's core mechanics are pretty fun, but there is one glaring problem that I can't ignore, and it's going to be the focus of today's video. Pokemon Unite is a free-to-play game, and the way that it has been monetized is incredibly predatory and is going to be a real problem for a lot of disabled players. So today, on Access Ability, we're going to be talking about Pokemon Unite's predatory microtransactions. We're going to talk about some of the currencies involved and how the game obfuscates your spending of real money. We're going to talk about some of the prices involved, and some of the ways that the game encourages you to spend more than you would need to for what they've ostensibly priced certain items, and we're going to talk about the fact that some gameplay affecting items that can really impact how well you can do in ranked play are purchasable with real money. As a quick primer, if you've not watched my main video about how microtransactions harm disabled gamers, there's a link to watch that in the video description. But the short version is that conditions such as ADHD, bipolar disorder, and autism can make players more susceptible to predatory microtransaction practices than other types of gamers, due to things like fear of missing out, desperation for quick dopamine hits, or by grabbing people in the midst of manic episodes where impulse control can be low. Watch the full video for an in-depth breakdown, but put simply, a lot of disabled gamers are more often the targets of the kinds of monetization strategies that we're going to be discussing today. So, how does monetization work in Pokemon Unite? Well, the game uses a deliberately complex web of different virtual currencies to control different types of purchases, which I'm going to do my best to summarise here. I'm not going to cover everything, but I will cover enough to give you a sense of why this is terrible. So first, let's start with the playable roster of characters. Like many MOBAs, Pokemon Unite gives players a handful of starting characters for free that they can use whenever they want, but the rest of the roster uses an availability rotation system. Every day, a handful of Pokemon from the full roster will be available, for free, to use by specific players. But many will not be. If you want a specific Pokemon that you like using to always be available to play as, you need to purchase a license for them. These licenses can be purchased with in-game earnable coins, but the supply of these coins slows down considerably after your first couple of creature unlocks. After that, your options are to spend a lot of in-game time grinding for coins, or to purchase those Pokemon using gems, the game's real money currency. Like many unethical mobile games, Pokemon Unite deliberately makes the quantities of gems needed to purchase in-game items not line up with the quantities of gems that you can purchase. This serves a couple of purposes, both disguising the exact amount of money you're spending on a purchase, as well as leaving you with an unusably small number of real money gems left over after each purchase. This primes you as the player to feel like you have real money sitting there waiting to be used, 
and aims to encourage you into another purchase of real money gems, so that you can use up those other gems that are sitting around gathering dust because they're too small an amount to use on anything. To purchase top-end characters like Lucario costs 600 gems. To purchase that character with real money, you'd need to start doing some maths, as all of the available gem amounts are either too large or too small, 7.99 will get you 490 gems, which is too little, but £19.99 for 1,220 gems is too many. But it would be enough to get two characters without too many left over, so maybe that's the way to do it. Those top-end creatures would cost you roughly £10 each, but you would be buying two of them when you only intended to buy one. Or you could get 490 gems for £7.99, and then two of the 99p60 gem packs, and then get just one Pokémon for the equivalent of £10? Oh, but then the game offers you double gems on your first purchase of a box of a given size, so the first purchase is actually twice as many gems to make them feel like better value to get your foot in the door on that first spend. So this math is for purchases after the first purchase. Oh god, I hate this already. So yeah, this starts off as pretty common MOBA design in terms of monetizing, adding characters to the roster for players, but it's mashed up with terrible mobile game monetization. Gameplay characters are earnable if you play through enough of the game, but if you want to skip the grind, you can buy them, but the amounts of real-world money and purchasable gem currency don't line up neatly with purchase costs, or make it easy to know exactly how much you're spending. Moving on to character customization and outfits, players can earn EOS tickets in-game, again at a glacially slow pace once you get through the tutorial, to unlock in-game character outfits for their Pokémon trainer. Top-end outfits will take tens of hours to unlock just for a single outfit, but again, players can opt to receive the item straight away if they spend real money. A raincoat that looks like a cramorant costs 1,370 gems, which is more than the 1220 that you get in a £20 gem box. The next size up is 2,450 gems, which is way more than you need for nearly £40. You'd need a 1220 box and 360 boxes, which would bring the purchase price for a single virtual raincoat up to nearly £23. Then there's custom outfits that each of your Pokémon can wear. These are only purchasable with real money gems, or some currency called Hollowware tickets that I've yet to earn a single one of in-game, but I think they're rare rewards in the loot boxes and the battle pass that we're going to talk about in a bit. These outfits range in prices from 350 gems up to 1050, meaning that to dress your Greninja up like a Power Ranger is going to cost you just shy of 20 pounds. The only positive I could find for this game's monetization, and honestly it's more a lack of a possible negative than it is a positive, is that the game will not allow you to directly purchase an outfit for a Pokemon with real money in this menu if you don't permanently own the character the outfit is for. That is literally the only place I can think of where this game held back on scummy business practices. Then there's the game's battle pass. As you play through Pokemon Unite, players level up through a battle pass unlocking in-game rewards. Players who do not spend money will receive some low-end rewards, mainly small cosmetics like shoes and socks, nothing exciting. But many rewards visible to free players are only available by paying for the premium versions of the Battle Pass. Free players are still shown the rewards that they have reached on the Battle Pass, much more exciting things than they are getting, but they're not being given them, to instill a sense of false value in the Battle Pass and a fear of missing out. 
Look at how many rewards I've already unlocked! For just a little bit of money, I could have all those rewards that look cooler than the ones I've actually earned. Additionally, for double the price of the Battle Pass, you can get a version of the Battle Pass that skips you a handful of levels higher on the Battle Pass. Why would you do that instead of just playing through those levels? Well, because the Battle Pass is only available for a couple of months, so paying to jump a little up the path might increase your odds of getting all the rewards at the top end that you've paid for. Also, keeping the Battle Pass time limit in mind, you can spend real money gems to skip further up the Battle Pass, potentially all the way to the top end rarest rewards. This exists so that people afraid of missing out on the rarest rewards near the end of the two months will pay real money to avoid having rewards that they paid for access to taken away and never being earnable. Oh, and the game also gives you an outfit for Pikachu right at the start of the paid Battle Pass as soon as you buy it. I suspect this is because Pikachu is not a permanent free character. You've now got a skin for a character who isn't always playable. Maybe go back to the character purchase menu and buy Pikachu with gems, just so you can always use your cool new outfit. All these systems try and lead you back into spending more money. Next, let's get into Energy Tank Rewards, this game's convoluted equivalent of loot boxes. When playing matches of Pokemon Unite, you can earn energy, which can be used to receive randomised rewards in-game. You cannot directly spend money on spins of the randomised reward table, but that's only because the process has been hidden under steps of complexity. The energy to spin the wheel is earned in-game, but it comes from a big storage tank. You start with some energy in the tank, so initially you earn randomised pulls through gameplay, but there's an active limit on how fast you can earn that energy, and how much there is that you can earn in a day. If you want to spin the wheel more frequently, you're going to need to either make the tank bigger, refill it faster, or earn energy from the tank faster. These are controlled by items, all purchasable with coins or real money. You can spend real money to get more spins of the wheel and make them happen more frequently. So yes, you can spend real money to be more engaged with a randomised reward pool. This is loot boxes with more steps. Lastly, and perhaps most egregiously, is the gameplay impacting held items. Held items can be earned with in-game currency or real money, and each bestow gameplay changes to your team, from automatic healing to manual healing, increasing max health to altering max speed to increasing attack damage. These items can be purchased with real money and bestow gameplay advantages over those taking the time to slowly unlock them through gameplay. However, these items can also be leveled up, making them considerably more powerful, and this can be done with real money. Putting things bluntly, in the days since Pokemon Unite launched, the game's ranked matchmaking has become dominated by players who paid to purchase, and paid to fully upgrade, held items from the shop. You are not going to stand a chance against top-end players with fully upgraded items if you do not have them yourself. To play this game at the competitive top end, without countless weeks of grinding, you're realistically going to need to spend real money. Pokemon Unite is, at its core, a fun game. There is a fun game in there, but for me it's completely ruined by the monetization model. From overly expensive cosmetics, to gameplay impacting items, the slow crawl at which you can earn in-game currency once you get through the welcome period, to the levels of obfuscation designed to make you spend money without realising quite how much you've spent. This game does basically every trick in the book from mobile gaming in terms of trying to get you to spend money without thinking about the fact you're spending money and without 
noticing how much you've spent and getting into that trap of, oh, just one more, just one more, and this is undoubtedly going to prey on disabled gamers. As an autistic gamer, I can already feel this game trying to get its hooks in me, and I have to be really careful about that. I'm someone who obsessively likes filling in collections and maxing out stats and having everything done and completed and finished, and this game is designed in such a way that if you realistically want to do that, playing the game either has to become a full-time job, or much more realistically, you have to start spending amounts of money I'm not happy to spend on a game. This game is getting its hooks in my disability, and I can feel it already, and I know that I can't play it, which really sucks because Pokemon is usually my escape. It's one of my autism special interests. It's one of those things that I wish I could engage with just the Pokemon aspect and not have to worry about slowly, slowly losing all my money on it. Pokemon Unite is a fun game, but gosh, I cannot recommend it to anyone with any kind of history of compulsive spending or obsessive completionism or anyone who has ever had a problem with microtransactions in the past because, gosh, this game does every manipulative trick in the book to try and get money out of you and I can tell already this game is going to leave some disabled gamers having spent more than they could really afford to and I am really sorry that that's going to happen.